0: This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G O M O T O.com
1: welcome to daily drive for thursday september 29th 2022 i'm kellen walker with automotive news on today's show porsche's ipo will raise over nine billion dollars for vw toyota's output rises for the first time in five months and all that pent-up demand it's quickly disappearing Plus, EV Charging Tech is in the spotlight in Austin for the Move America Mobility Conference. But what differentiates these startups from all the others? We'll hear from Auto Tech Council's Liz Curtin.
2: Literally, my eyes have to roll back because there's so much overlap in what they're trying to to accomplish and there's complete overlap in their customer base.
1: Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. It's Europe's largest initial public offering in a decade. Porsche's IPO reaped over $9 billion in proceeds for Volkswagen Group. The sports car makers' shares rose 1.8% to $81 in Frankfurt on the open before slipping back down to its offer price of $79.93 a share. Speaking with Bloomberg TV today, VW CEO Oliver Bloom did not rule out public listings of other units he was asked specifically about Lamborghini. I see Porsche as a role model. We have shown um, what is possible if uh, the company is well prepared. I
3: think that will be also a win-win situation for Volkswagen Group and for the future we will
1: see. I think um, there's a lot of potential um, in Porsche, but also for Volkswagen Group. The sale will help VW Group raise funds for its electrification push. Preferred shares of VW declined as much as 6.2% following the trading start. The investment company of the Porsche p family, Porsche Automobile Holdings SE, slumped as much as 9.2%. The world's largest automaker saw its first global output increase in five months. Toyota made nearly 770,000 vehicles in August. That's up 44% from a year earlier. Global sales rose 3.8%. That's the first increase in a year. Those increases were led by gains in overseas markets, in particular Southeast Asia, where a COVID surge disrupted supply chains a year ago. Just as output challenges start to ease up for automakers like Toyota, It looks like all that pent-up demand might be collapsing. Cox Automotive Senior Economist Charlie Chesbro says high interest rates are eating away at vehicle buyers' willingness and ability to purchase. Cox lowered its full-year new vehicle sales outlook yesterday to $13.7 million. That's down more than 9% from 2021, and it's the industry's lowest tally in a decade. And several industry experts and dealers say the pool of used electric vehicles eligible for a tax credit taking effect next year could be slim to start out. They tell Automotive News that those choices will probably be limited to models with shorter battery range that were built mainly to meet tougher emissions regulations, at least in the short term. For the first time, a tax credit will be available for income-qualified buyers that's equal to 30% of the total cost of a used battery electric plug-in hybrid, or fuel cell vehicle. It's capped at $4,000, vehicles must be at least two model years old, and cost $25,000 or less. But they are not subject to the same stringent sourcing and assembly requirements as the revamped tax credit for new EVs. Edmunds Director of Insights, Ivan Drury, says it could take between three to five years before the credit is used regularly by consumers. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, the Move America Mobility Conference just wrapped up in Texas. We'll hear from Auto Tech Council's Executive Director, Liz Curtin, who's been scouting startups in Austin for possible investment. That's next on Daily Drive. Picture your service
0: drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and checking at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene, and you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines, no more wasted time, and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish-language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your
1: service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Kellen Walker. The Move America Mobility Conference bills itself as the world's most important urban mobility event. There's all kinds of new automotive technology on display this year at the conference in Austin, Texas. And there's also a lot of tech scouts looking for startups that might be worth investing in. Auto Tech Council Executive Director and Co-Founder Liz Curtin is one of those people. Our own Pete Bigelow caught up with her at MOVE. They talked about startups tackling the transportation landscape and what's around the corner next month in Silicon Valley. Here's their conversation. Liz, thanks for joining us on the podcast
3: today. Great to have you. My pleasure. pleasure. Uh, tell us about Auto Tech Council. What you do? You're the executive director. Uh, and what is what is Auto Tech Council all about?
2: All right. Well, the Auto Tech Council is a group. It's a community of corporates on the mobility side who get together and scout for startups and new technologies, for the purpose of getting that new technology into the market and into their products and services. So members include Toyota and Ford and Honda and Hyundai. They include. Um, Uh, Nvidia and uh, AAA and Goodyear and quite a wide variety of large companies who are working in the mobility space and committed to improving improving their products and services by working with startups, among other things. Uh, And by working with startups, it's uh, occasionally venture investing, but but for the most part, what they do through the Autotech Council is actually trials and deployments and and co-development projects.
3: So do you run the gamut from linking startups with uh, venture capitalists all the way to automakers? Is it early stage, late stage, all of the above?
2: Well, that's also a good question because the startups at the VCs and the corporate venture guys like Hyundai Ventures and uh, GM Ventures are generally interested are much earlier stage and therefore higher risk than what their counterparts at the R&D organizations who are actually looking for a technology to implement are interested in. So there's a totally different risk profile. So if we had a series A company or a seed company come in through our front door and say, hey, I'm really interested in pitching the auto tech council members, I would probably turn them away and say, come back in a year when you have product that, uh, that we can actually put into the, into the market. But uh, again, Hyundai is a member and they also have a ventures team. So occasionally we do find these gems that are at the early stage that are also ready for investing.
3: Liz, we're down here in Austin, Texas, at the Move America Mobility and it's Conference. Hot. <laughs> it is not chilly like it is in Detroit, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, what what made you interested in coming down here for this particular conference?
2: Well, my job is to do tech scouting for these guys, so I have to go where the new technology is being talked about and displayed. Uh, the startup pavilion part of the Move Conference, I would say, forty or so startups. Uh, By far, the majority of them are too early for my audience, for the the car makers right now. But, you know, once I have them on my on my list, my scouting list, I can keep up and watch them for the next couple of years and see when they are ready. And there's probably five or six that I found over the past couple of days that I will invite to pitch to our little Shark Tank style uh, meetings that we do every month.
3: How many startups do you vet in a given year? How many do you present to your uh, members?
2: So that depends. And COVID kind of changed that, <laughs> that ratio quite a bit. But averaging over the past 10 years that we've been doing this, it's probably five or 600 who uh, either apply or recommended. And uh, with probably about 100 will actually make an agenda. On a given year that said uh like last week or last month we had a delegation come down from canada and they brought 30 startups of which 10 were too early but 20 of them were were ready so that's a big big group
3: what caught your eye here at move
2: uh well trend wise i would say ev is the thing everything is everyone's talking about how are they going to increase EV ridership, EV ownership, um, the the number of SaaS providers trying to do charging services and fleet management for EV. I mean, I, I my literally my eyes have to roll back because they and there's so much overlap in what they're trying to to accomplish, and they're complete overlap in their customer base. So I really wish all of the marketing teams would would say. Put their differentiator right out front and center. Uh, that said, it's clear that that's that's the pain the pain point in our market right now. We know from all the money that the governments are putting into to electric vehicles and decarbonization that that's the way this market is going to go. And there are so many stumbling blocks between where we are. People are afraid of not having charging. People are afraid. Uh, I mean, they can't buy electric cars if they live in apartment buildings because apartment buildings can't do charging for everybody. And so a lot of really interesting solutions, both on the, on the three phase, actually two interesting companies that I saw working on three phase charging, which allows you to do load management with a kind of daisy chaining all these uh, chargers together, which I thought they're, they're going to be, they're going to take off like a rocket ship as soon as someone finds them. So yeah, I would say EV charging and uh, EV platforms and fleet management right now is is where we need to get the market down from 100 companies to 10.
3: Have you seen that shift uh, in your time running Autotech Council from say telematics many years ago to, to EV charging and um, EV intelligence in a way is, is what, what yeah. companies are, are bringing to you?
2: So we started the Autotech Council in 2012 and nobody was convinced that cars would be electric. We were still talking, our, our innovation was looking at infotainment, <laughs> um, uh, ADAS, right? We weren't talking about autonomous vehicles at all. So yeah, things change and evolve and uh, progress is always faster than you expect it to be. Uh, especially in, a, in this industry, which is a slow moving, traditional, highly regulated cars on the road for 20 years type of industry. They think that the way it was 20 years ago is the way it's going to be in 20 years. So. Uh, that's one of the reasons that a lot of our members have people on the ground in Silicon Valley because they need to, they understand that the, ch- the pace of change, it, you're going to see more of it when you're on the cutting edge, even if it hurts. It's, you know, we call it the bleeding edge for a reason. Uh, then you will see out in, in Michigan where people still like their, their uh, ice engines and cars that make lots of noise.
3: I've seen more Teslas on the road in Michigan uh, in yeah. recent years as well. So, oh, uh, good. <clears throat> yes.
2: So, in terms of EV adoption, so we also, on a side note, we run something called the Clean Tech Council. The Clean Tech Council is for companies that are interested in working with startups to be more clean, green, and sustainable in their products. So, the members there are the energy companies and the utility companies and materials companies um, who have made these these commitments and are are working with or want to work with startups to, to decarbonize and, and whatnot. So on that side, we see a ton of innovation in getting to hydrogen and getting to electric, both for the, the individual cars, but also for trucks and airplanes and drones um, and all of the transportation. Um, and even we've seen smart grid and they love vehicle to grid as a solution. So I'm sure that we'll see more pop startups popping up there as well. But yeah, I would say if one thing that uh, our current political climate in the United States has produced is is an uptick in investment in EV and EV charging.
3: Last question for you, Liz. Uh, How much of that will we see in two weeks at another show that I feel like might be similar to this? Uh, Where it moved today, uh, I think it's in just about two weeks from today, is Autotech Science Fair. Uh, Oh, our
2: science fair. What is
3: science fair all about and how is that uh, similar or different than what we're saying today? Okay,
2: so our science fair is interesting. It's literally, think of a high school science fair. It's a bunch of engineers at their tables with their half-built, half-baked projects out on the table so that the guy from Qualcomm can go shopping and say, oh, if I plugged my thing into this side and together my one and your one can equal three. It's uh, there's no content, there's no speeches. It's literally uh, startups and big companies. So Honda has a table and uh, Joe's startup will have a table there. Everybody gets their eight feet. Um, and it's a really great way to kind of see that cutting edge, but also where the big suppliers, the tier ones in the industry are open and and interested in other companies plugging in and making their their, propositions better. So it's a very engineering, there's no marketing, there's no splash. But if you are interested in seeing that cutting edge, Science Fair is a great place to go. It is in Silicon Valley and Sunnyvale on October 12th, But there is an online version you can uh, tap into on August, uh, October 13th um, online Science Fair. So it's a little bit different. It's not you don't get to touch and feel the boards and whatnot. But you can talk about them.
3: Can't wait to check it out. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for joining us on Daily Drive today.
2: All right. My pleasure.
1: That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Near for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on new technology, quarterly sales results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about proposed legislation meant to increase automotive lending to low and moderate income buyers and what it means for dealers. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.